The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a monster Monday that we are recording on a Sunday afternoon for very specific reasons. We'll be joined by Bill Barnwell, who does an absolute terrific job for ESPN he had a great show. Can't wait to get into his thoughts about what teams are going to be better than we thought, what teams are going to be worse than we thought. We are presented by DraftKings, who we love. Always just go to DraftKings Sportsbook app or the Fantasy app and use the code ROSS. All of your wildest dreams will come true. It's a new week, which means two things. Number one, we got a new Spread the Word winner this week, a new sponsor confirmation email winner this week, a new YouTube shout-out winner this week. Speaking of shout outs, shout out to our latest patron, Tom Michelotti, patreon.com slash RT media. It also means starting next week, we're daily on the Raw Soccer Football Podcast. Tell all your friends, tell all your enemies, tell all your frenemies, tell all your colleagues, it is time. It is football season. We will be daily. We've got the other shows. And this might be the first time we've ever recorded on a Sunday afternoon, Brian. I mean, I know we've done Sunday night a lot. Have we ever done Sunday afternoon at 3.30 where I'm wearing my bathing suit and a like a pool shirt because I'm about to go in the pool with my daughters right after we're done recording? <laughs> I think this might be a first. It's definitely a first. And uh, in two weeks, for the next 18 weeks after that, we will definitely not be recording on a Sunday afternoon. That is correct, man. Um, so we're doing it because Hurricane, it's called Ida, right? Hurricane Ida is uh, barreling through Louisiana. And uh, Ross, you're, everybody knows you're up in central Pennsylvania, but I am in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I've lived for the past eight or nine years. And uh, right now, where it's the calm before the storm. So we wanted to get the show out today, get it out early because tonight, who knows? Uh, but I think we're going to be okay, knock on wood. When is it supposed to hit you guys? From when to when? Uh, the roughest part should be tonight, overnight. I'd say maybe around 7, 8 o'clock through the overnight hours. So by 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, hopefully in time to record the college draft, we should be the, the worst should be behind us. But uh, Okay, yeah. so I've been reading these reports, Bri, where it says it's going to be worse than Katrina. I was telling my wife how that we needed to record this because the hurricane's coming, and she's like, did they leave? I said, no, they're still there. 
I'm like, I'm sure they know more than we do, but like I'm reading worse than Katrina, but you're in your family room right now. So just explain to me, because I know I'm sure there's obviously a lot of logic. I'm sure you thought it through. <laughs> well, first of all, there was no evacuation order issued for where we are. And this is typically the place where people down on the coast uh, uh, will or in New Orleans will evacuate too. even though the governor said don't evacuate to Baton Rouge for this trip keep going north but we're not an evacuation zone so we're actually door to door from the uh, from the Superdome we're 81 miles so if that gives you any general idea we're, we're a good hour and a half northwest of, of downtown New Orleans so th while they're going to be getting a lot of that flooding you know we're hopefully I mean look it's going to be bad but it's uh Hopefully, we're going to be okay. Got it. Well, I'll be thinking about you tonight. Appreciate Text it. me in the morning. Let me know everything's fine. Um, uh, obviously, that's the most important thing. Uh, and we'll be keeping our eye on everything going on down there. And by the way, all of the listeners that are in Louisiana or anyone that's going to be affected by this, whatever you need to do to be safe, please do it. You know, you can take the whole family in the car and just listen to Ross Tucker podcast after Ross Tucker podcast. It'll be like bliss. It'll be like heaven. Whatever you need to do to be safe, please do that. You can even listen to me talking with Bill Barnwell right now on The Big Show. The Big Show. As promised, we are joined by one of the best guys in the business, whether it's his podcast, which is terrific, or all of the content he produces. Look, I, I don't know if they have this written anywhere. I am convinced if you look at time allocated per column, <laughs> Bill Barnwell has to be way up there. Like, Bill, I don't know what you get paid per story, buddy, but I hope it's a lot because you put a <laughs> lot of time into those bad boys. I try my best. I don't know if if TAC, uh, time allocated per column, is a uh, is a stat. I hope so. I hope, I hope I'm pretty high up there. A lot of people work hard. I don't want to take away from anybody else, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, lots of interesting stuff to talk about, right? Like, it's easy to write about the NFL, and there's so many interesting things happening heading into the season. I think that should be a new metric, tack. <laughs> tack. Time allocated to column, which, by the way, is great for the reader. Yeah. But I guess on your side of things, it's like, wait a minute. If I'm by far number one in that category, is that good or bad? No, no it, it, it's like time of possession. Like, you want to score quick. You don't want to matriculate <laughs> your way down the field. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a balance, right? But, like, you know, I mean, I, I feel like when I talk about football, I'm not an ex-player. I'm not an ex-coach. So I think I have to be above and beyond when it comes to giving information, when it comes to backing up the things I'm saying. Because otherwise – I'm just a dude writing about football in his bedroom, which that could be anybody. So I want to at least provide some background, some insight, some context to what I'm saying. Well, you absolutely do, which is why your column and your podcast are so popular because <laughs> you do derive the numbers to back up what you're saying. Check mm -hmm. him out, by the way, on social media at Bill Barnwell. Uh, we're to the point now, though, Bill, that your social media – uh, picture looks absolutely nothing like you. You're, now you got the totally bald head with the mm -hmm. beard. Back then, you were still hanging on to whatever hair you had and had that cleanly shaven face. It's, so, I mean, you might have to update that bio picture. <laughs> it's moved down slowly. Uh, from the little bit on the top of the head is now at the bottom of my face. I, it's a work in progress. We're all a work in progress, I guess. But during the pandemic, um, you know, it, it, it's it's been matriculating down 
towards my chin. We'll see how the beard goes. Maybe we'll shave it off before the season. Maybe we'll keep it. I don't think I'm ever going to get to like the James Harden level of beard, but I just think that's too much work. <laughs> T- totally agree. I trim this like every two weeks mm-hmm. uh, because you know when you get started to get it really big, then there's management involved. I'd rather just break out the trimmer and just yeah. go at it. Uh, so one of the things I really like that you do every year mm-hmm. is you write teams that you're higher on mm-hmm. and lower on yep. than the consensus, if you will, which of course is good. We I have a betting podcast, as you know, the Even mm-hmm. Money podcast. So there's a lot of value there because if you're higher on him or lower on him, then that might be an over or an under bet. 100%. Let's start with a, a team or two, Bill, that you are higher on than other people and why. Okay. Hmm. Let's start with Atlanta. I feel like a team that people are not really talking about right now as a possible playoff contender, even a team that's going to take a step forward in 2021. And I I know it was a year ago at this point, really almost a year ago. I think it's hard to remember just how bad the Falcons were closing out games last year. That Cowboys game where they were up and they got mesmerized by an onside kick. Uh, the Bears game where they gave up like 20 points in the fourth quarter. Um, that, the Todd Gurley game was separate. That was the Lions, I think, where they were playing the Lions, and Todd Gurley scored by accident, and they came back and lost the game. Lions and came out of the field and scored a touchdown to win the game. Um, you don't lose games like that year after year. Like, it's, it's hard to lose one of those games in a year, let alone three or four of them. Just that alone makes me think the, the Falcons are going to improve this upcoming season. Uh, I like the coaching additions they made. Arthur Smith, I think, has been excellent in Tennessee. Dean Pease, coming out of retirement as a defensive coordinator, has been excellent in his prior stops in Tennessee, Baltimore, and with the Patriots. Um, You know, trading Julio Jones stinks, but that's the one position where maybe they're settled. Maybe they can afford to lose a guy, given that they just added Kyle Pitts, who, you know, by all accounts, looks like he's going to be a superstar tight end and a superstar second option behind Calvin Ridley. So to me, I think that it's a team with a veteran quarterback, uh, an exciting coach. I don't know if they have like 12 win potential, but if they could go eight and nine or nine and eight, which still sounds weird to say, I think that's absolutely within the realm of possibility for the Falcons. Then I think a team that maybe didn't get great news this past weekend, didn't look great in the preseason, but Jacksonville, one and 15. And yes, granted, it's hard to lose more than 15 games in a given season. But I, I think, I don't know how you feel about this, Ross. I feel like the AFC South is a little shakier than maybe people are giving it credit for right now. Tennessee is a team that I'm going to mention in my column next week on teams likely to decline next year, um, or sorry, this upcoming season. Uh, I'm a little concerned about Derrick Henry's workload and what that offense looks like if Derrick Henry is not the guy he was the last couple of years. Um, the defense, I think, took a step backwards. That's really a work in progress on the defensive side of the ball. Indy, I mean, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson are coming back. That's great, but they're going to be less than 100%. Carson Wentz, we know, has a significant injury history coming off foot surgery. Um, he was terrible last year. He was just not good at football last year. Um, and Houston, I mean, I don't even need to get into Houston being a mess. Jacksonville, better than the numbers last year. Major upgraded quarterback with Trevor Lawrence. Um, I like what they did this offseason. Um, adding guys in free agency. There's a core of talent here. I don't know if it's a division-winning core of talent, but stranger things have happened to me than a team like the Jaguars coming out of the basement and winning eight or nine games. That maybe that might be enough to win the AFC South this year if things break right. So to me, I think the Jags are a team that 
everyone expects to get a little bit better. I think they can get, uh, you know, maybe reach higher heights than most people think heading into the 2021 season. Very interesting. The Atlanta thing, Bill, I remember they lost some close games, but love the recall. They, they, they lost games so painfully. I mean, I forgot about the Todd Gurley game, the Bears game where I think it was Foles came in and like lit them up Mm -hmm. and the Cowboys game. It's a terrific, terrific point by you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and I'm kind of with you on Atlanta. I don't know if I'm with you (laughs) on the Jags as much as I am with you on the AFC South. Mm -hmm. I think there's a decent chance nobody wins 10 games in that Mm -hmm. division. I, I, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. You know, I know you know the numbers better than I do, but Derrick Henry has had a lot of touches and a lot of yards mm-hmm. the last two years. And I can't recall a guy that did that three years in a row. It's mm-hmm. been a while since you had like a 300 carry, 400 touch, you know, 2,000 mm-hmm. yard guy. I, I mean, maybe who, who's it been? like Eric Dickerson? I, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's not usually those guys don't do it that third year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're looking back at maybe LT, you know, as someone yeah. who had that kind of workload and was able to succeed with it. And even he got hurt in the playoffs, I think, the second year he had that level of workload. Um, you know, and I don't want to take anything away from Derrick Henry. It's nothing, he's great. He's an awesome football player, incredible at his job. It's just so many things have to go right. You have to not get hit in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Your line has to stay healthy, your team has to keep winning so you're not throwing in the second half of games. Like, so many things have to go right for you to get that 350-carry workload even 20 years ago, let alone now in a league where teams want to throw the football. So, um, you know, I, I don't. it's not like he's going to wake up week two and suddenly his knee's not going to be there. Like, that's not how it works. But just the risk when you have an offense built around a guy who has such a heavy workload is really high. And it's not like, you know, the Packers, for example, if they lost Aaron Jones, but they drafted A.J. Dillon, they're good with a backup running back. Um, you know, Tennessee, you're looking at Darrington Evans, Jeremy McNichols, I think, as, as the guys who would be taking over in, in Derrick Henry's role. They're just not the same caliber of player. No disrespect to them, but Derrick Henry is a special talent. So, um, you know, it's hard for me to imagine that the offense is going to be as good. And then, you know, that offense so play action heavy uh, under Arthur Smith. Now Todd Downing comes in. And granted, yes, you're adding Julio Jones. It's a pretty good weapon off of play action. But um, can Ryan Tannehill be the focal point of that offense and throw the ball? 40, 45 times a game if Derrick Henry does get hurt or isn't the guy he was a year ago. And to me, that's not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't know that I'd want to make a big bet on that. Any other teams on that side of the ledger for you that teams you're lower on than most? I know you talked about the AFC South as a division. Any other individual teams? Hmm. I'm going to say one, and I'm going to – it's going to sound really stupid. But give me a second to explain. The Chiefs. I I don't think the Chiefs are going to be bad. I want to make that very clear. I don't want any 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 anything taken out of context. The Chiefs are going to be a very 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 good football team this year. But then they're better than they were last year. They were fourteen and two last year. So now they got to win fifteen games in the new seventeen game schedule. That's really really hard. Even if you have Patrick Mahomes, even if the line is great, they were eight and zero in one score games last year. That's just not something that. Patrick Mahomes has done in the past, or Andy Reid's teams have done in the past, or anyone really can keep up year after year after year. Chiefs might be seven and two in one score games, and that might turn out to be the case. But the, winning fifteen games is so tough 
in a 17-game season. And I think as good as the Chiefs are, I wouldn't bet on anybody, no matter how good they are. I wouldn't bet on the 16 and the Patriots to win uh, 17 games next year, 15 games the next year. It's just so hard to keep that level of play up. It's a really good point, especially since they're starting three offensive linemen that are rookies. Yeah. Center, right guard, right tackle. But, yes, I mean, I'll I'll say this. Mahomes has an uncanny ability to make the play he has Mm -hmm. to make to close out those games. I feel like every game they played last year, Bill, they would go up by 20. Mm -hmm. They would let the other team get it back to one score. And then Mahomes would convert a third down or whatever with his arm or his Mm -hmm. legs to seal the game. I mean, it was – it was like they had a movie script right. for every game. But you're right. That I don't care how good you are and how mm-hmm. clutch you are. That is not sustainable either. I wanted to ask you about a couple of these quarterback decisions. Okay. I don't really hear anybody really up in arms about either one. Mm-hmm. We can start with the Denver Broncos going with Teddy Bridgewater and your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, they're a team who I – Half of my column is one of the teams most likely to improve this year. And the biggest reason why, Ross, is their turnover ratio last year was horrific. Minus 17. In the modern NFL, where teams don't turn the ball over all that much, minus 17 was as bad as it got last year. And I know. I mean, like, the classic, uh, the most old-school stat is turnover margin, right? You know, the turn the ball over a bunch, you're going to lose games. The Broncos lost games last year. You look at history. When teams have had a turnover margin in that range, they've almost always improved dramatically the next year whether it's that they got better, whether it was bad luck, or whether it's that teams make changes at quarterback or at the key positions to improve their turnover margin, like the Broncos just did by adding Teddy Bridgewater, a guy who, a little a little bit of interceptions last year, mostly late in games, but uh, I think a career interception rate of 2.2%, much better than Drew Locke was last year. Uh, they're not going to lead the league in takeaways if Teddy Bridgewater is their quarterback. And then you got to figure with a Nick Fangio defense, Nick is an excellent, excellent defensive coordinator. That defense added a bunch of talent this year. Um, Kyle Fuller, Patrick Sertan coming in at cornerback. Von Miller coming back from missing the entire season. That could be a really interesting football team on the defensive side of the ball. So to me, I think they improved their turnover margin. And I think Teddy Bridgewater, maybe if he doesn't have Drew Locke's ceiling, which I don't think he does, I think he has a higher floor. I think he gives them a better chance of competing week to week, playing close games, winning with defense, winning with special teams. And I think the Broncos have the roster to pull that off if Teddy holds up his end of the bargain. What about Jameis Winston? Probably the biggest news since our last show last week mm-hmm. on Friday morning. Uh, reports came out that Jameis Winston will be the Saints starter. Mm. I think I tweeted this, Bill. I, I kind of always felt like this is going to be the case unless he was awful or Taysom Hill was unbelievable because given no Michael Thomas, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it just felt like they wanted to be able to use Hill as a Swiss Army knife if they could. Yeah, I. I... Here's the part that I don't understand. I, I think Jameis Winston is a better quarterback than Taysom Hill. I think he makes more sense. I think you can use Taysom Hill, like you said, as a Swiss Army knife in short yardage, in the red zone, in situations where you can get him to be part of the offensive package. But to me, Taysom Hill last year started when Drew Brees got hurt. He came in. I thought he was kind of what we would have expected, right? Like he was not great uh, in the game against the Broncos, but it didn't matter because the Broncos were starting a wide receiver at quarterback and Kendall Hinton. But I felt like he kind of played the way you would have expected. Was it good as a runner? Solid as a passer? Not incredible, but got the job done. I think they were 3-1 and one in those games. You know, he held up his end of the bargain. So Drew Brees comes back in. Taysom Hill, it's like he's taken a step backwards in the eyes of Sean Payton. I mean, he was a guy who didn't come in in the playoff game when Drew Brees was struggling. Jameis Winston came in to throw that touchdown pass. 
and then he loses the competition this year. So to me, I, I think whether it was Sean Payton maybe souring a bit on Taysom Hill as a full-time quarterback when he was in the lineup last year, or whether it was Jameis Winston maybe showing more this offseason after having a full year to kind of work in that same system, um, I, I'm, I think Sean Payton's maybe a little more pessimistic about Taysom Hill than he was versus my expectations after that 3 and one performance last season. One of the big topics, Bill, obviously this time of year is the rookie quarterbacks and when should they play and should they start from week one? I guess I'm curious, uh, do you have a strong opinion on that and or do you have any data? Uh, I know you're usually a guy that has data on rookie quarterbacks playing in, you know, or not early in the season. I mean, I've heard every coach. Right? I, I feel like you feel the same way about this, baby. You can tell me if I'm wrong. Every coach says the same things before the preseason. It's, oh, we're not going to play him. We're going to redshirt him. We want to work on his mechanics. He has to get stuff right. And then by the end of week two, when the coach is losing by 25 points, the guy comes in, he leads a touchdown drive, fans all cheer. He's a starter in week three. It happens over and over and over again. I've seen it with Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. Saw it with Josh Allen in Buffalo, where he was in the lineup by the end of week one. Deshaun Watson in Houston, where he was not going to start. He was in the lineup by the end of week one. And I think, to me, what I hear about before the preseason generally doesn't mean that much to me. Because I think the first bad moment you get, Justin Fields is coming in. Trey Lance is coming in. Um, the Niners might be different. But I think when it comes to a guy like Fields, like just because Andy Dalton's a starter in week one, I don't know that he's going to finish that game against the Rams. And I, I think the first chance that the Bears are at home and they're struggling, there's going to be Justin, Justin, Chance at Soldier Field. They're going to they're bring Justin Fields in because that's what you do to save your season. Like, I remember when Mike Rabel took out Marcus Mariota and put in Ryan Tannehill, he was honest about it. He wasn't like, oh, I've got this genius plan. He was like, we need a spark, man. We need to just get better. And Ryan Tannehill was better than I think anybody could have expected and got them in the lineup and changed that football team. And I, I think... The only situation that's unique is San Francisco to me because uh, with Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo has an unguaranteed $25 million coming to him if he's on the roster in week one. And that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money in cash, a lot of money you can roll over in future years on your salary cap and create some space for the guys you have to re-sign in the future. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo, if you could guarantee he was going to be on the field for 17 games, you'd feel pretty good about that. When Alex Smith was with the Chiefs, I know Alex Smith eventually would suffer a serious injury, but he was pretty healthy at that point in his career. He was staying on the field week after week, being pretty consistent, not putting himself in dangerous situations. So you can kind of count on him to be there for most of the season. Jimmy Garoppolo, again, a very good quarterback, nothing against him, but he's played four seasons down in the NFL where he started the season in September. He's made it out of September without a serious injury one time. That year, they went to the Super Bowl, torn ACL, separated shoulder, high ankle sprain that cost him most of last season. So to me, I think the nightmare scenario for the Niners is that you say, okay, we're starting Jimmy week one. He gets hurt in week two, and you're stuck paying him $25 million, and you're still going to Trey Lance anyway. So to me, I think that has to be weighing on the Niners as they make this decision. At the same time, I don't know that Trey Lance is ready. I saw some exciting stuff in the preseason. I saw some stuff where he looked very, you know, he looked like he was adjusting to the NFL. He was getting confused with some coverages. He was a little slow to get the ball out. Um, but then we also haven't seen him as a runner. And I think that's going to be a big part of his package is him as a running quarterback. And Kyle Shanahan showed none of that in the preseason. So to me, I think 
every other situation, I think, yeah, guys are going to start, if not week one, pretty soon. Trey Lance is the one unique situation to me when it comes to these rookie quarterbacks. And I don't know. I, I could see the case for moving on from Garoppolo. I could see the case for keeping him and say, okay, let's lock in a, a solid quarterback, even if it costs us $25 billion. Check him out on Twitter, at Bill Barnwell. Check out his excellent podcast as well. I think yours truly will be on there yes. in the next few weeks. Looking forward to it, Bill. Always great stuff. Love it, uh, especially when you have teams. I would not have thought of Atlanta. I would not have <laughs> thought of Kansas City. That's why I try to bring you on every year, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ross. Anytime. Dude, that guy is hired when it comes to logic in my mind. I don't know if he'll be right about – the Falcons or the Jags or the Broncos or the Chiefs, but he's on it. I mean, he he has good regression logic. He's hired. And I'm sure you can find Bill Barnwell on LinkedIn jobs. Look, I got three businesses. You guys know that. Whether it's full-time people or interns, LinkedIn jobs has made it so much easier. Especially, by the way, young people. Everybody in their 20s is on LinkedIn. Like that's like the big thing now. So if you're looking to hire young people like Brian and I have to do sometimes or for other things, make sure you create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network, 750 million people, 750. Then use simple tools on LinkedIn jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Ross. That's linkedin.com slash Ross to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ducks takes. All right, let's start with some trades since last Thursday. The Patriots traded two late-round picks to the Ravens for Sean White. Panthers traded a conditional seventh-round pick to the Giants for Ryan Santoso. And the Eagles traded a conditional sixth-round pick to the Jags for backup quarterback Gardner Minshew, who last week he really wasn't such a backup quarterback, was he? No, and Bright, right before we started recording at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, the Texans just traded Shaq Lawson to the Jets for a sixth-round pick. Look, just so you guys know, the next 48 hours are going to be absolutely nuts from an NFL transaction standpoint. Nuts. Like, you are going to be shocked how many transactions there are over the next 48, 72 hours. It's going to be absolute bananas. going to be crazy. Um, But desperately, the Jets needed any kind of pass rush after losing Carl Lawson. So Shaq Lawson's like a poor man's Lawson, literally. Lawson's, by the way, Sip of Sunshine. Maybe my favorite beer. Maybe my favorite IPA. Um, although I really like Field Study as well from Trogues. Anyway, I digress. Sunday afternoon. We're about to have a beer in like seven minutes, I think. Harrison Smith got an extension with the Vikings as well. Sean Wade just wasn't going to be there in Baltimore. They got too many other corners. So the Ravens are literally getting more for Sean Wade then they had to give up to draft him in the first place. The Patriots obviously liked what they saw from him. Panthers didn't like Joey Slivey. He wasn't having a good camp. They bring in Santoso. He drilled a 52-yarder the other night. He got the job. And then people think – like, people don't understand this, Bri. The Phil- Let me repeat myself. 
The Philadelphia Eagles are always going to make sure they are overstocked, if anything, at the quarterback position. It's why they drafted Jalen Hurts last year. It's why they signed Josh McCown the year before that. They will never, organizational philosophy, because of how many times they've had to play backup quarterbacks, they will never be shorthanded at that position, ever. And by the way, Minshew's on the minimum for the next two years. So yes, I know they have Flacco, but now they're all set at backup quarterback for 2022. Got some injury news. Colts wide receiver T.Y. Hilton and Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins is going to miss some time this season. Yeah, I, I really don't like this. T.Y. Hilton, I just saw where Frank Reich said he's got a dick, disc issue in his neck. Wow. Bry, don't cut that. Don't do anything with that. Disc. Disc issue in his neck. Bry, I'm just telling you right now, that, do not do that. Disc. Disc issue in his neck. Anyway, uh, they're optimistic it's not season-ending. Let me just tell you right now, when you have a disc with an S in there issue, it's not good, okay? I'll believe it's not season-ending when I see it. As for J.K. Dobbins, torn ACL, torn LCL, in a preseason game, this is why a lot of teams don't play him in the preseason games. I mean, this is why. You want to know why? This is why. And then Irv Smith is going to miss some time for the Vikings as well. Not good. Two items of note regarding the quarterback. Saints officially named Jameis Winston their starting quarterback, and the Titans are placing Ryan Tannehill on the COVID list. No surprise with Jameis Winston. I think we all knew that was going to come. Greg Cosell and I talked about his performance on Thursday. Uh, That was the right move for this Saints team. And the Titans have an outbreak on their hands. I don't know how many of them are vaccinated, how many of them are not. Uh, I think on some level, nobody will say this, Bri, but on some level, it's a positive that it's happening now and not during the regular season where guys have to miss games. I mean, I think the Titans would never, like I said, they never say this, but it's almost like they're getting it out of the way. I think they hope. Ducks takes. And finally, Dick Vermeil and Cliff Branch, senior committee candidates for the Hall of Fame. And a pair of Bills receivers fined for COVID-related violations. Well, Dick Vermeil had tremendous success with three different franchises. You guys know that if you're longtime listeners how highly I value that. Cliff Branch, people have said he should be in for a long, long time. One of the first real speed demon deep threat receivers in the NFL for the Raiders. Big fan of uh, the highlights for him. And yeah, Isaiah McKenzie and Cole Beasley – both find $15,000 for not wearing masks, even though they're not vaccinated. And by the way, Isaiah McKenzie was not wearing a mask when the NFL officials were there to give a talk about masks and COVID. And they saw him. And they saw Beasley on video. I mean, $15,000. You know how many you know how many shots I would get for $15,000? I mean, and now Isaiah McKenzie got vaccinated. Now he gets vaccinated. Now that it cost him $15,000. Yikes. Um, uh, Other than that, it's Patreon season. You want to see all the press box food grades? You want to see 
everything I do with my picks each week. You want to see our even money bets in black and white from grades, Sean Grady. They're all there in black and white. Patreon.com slash RT Media. Absolutely glorious. Other than that, we got some shout outs because that's how we roll on this show. Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, Vision Comics with an X, HumanHeadNYC.com, and SteakhouseSports.com. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always. Sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.